Good morning. How are you all this morning? Good, good. It's my uh, privilege and honor to be here. Uh, I'm glad I got to work with Seth and Mark to make this possible, and I thank both of you, even though Seth's not here. I'll be able to hang out with Seth more these following years, and I thank you for having an impact on Seth so he can have impact on my life in the future. And to start, I'd just like to go ahead and pray to God. Father God, um, just thank you for this opportunity uh, to speak your word, your message to your people, uh, your children, whom you love so much. Father, uh, I just thank you that we're able to come here this morning, um, all for you. Uh, you are the reason we are here, and thank you that we're able to come here without the fear of persecution as that's not a privilege that a lot of people have, but we're blessed to have that, and let us not take that for granted. And just please speak through me and uh, let this message uh, have an impact on these people's lives. And it's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen. All right, so how many of you guys have someone that you can think of that has had a major impact in your life? Yes, I'm sure most, if not all of us, all of us do have people who play an impact in our lives. And I'm sure for many of you guys, Seth was one who had a major impact in your life, your pastor. Um, that's just natural. Pastors have big impacts in your life. Um, someone who had a bit, big impact in my life was my pastor as well. Growing up, um, he was my grandpa, Pastor Ray Hall. I'm not sure how many of you know him. Uh, he was a preacher at Garden Park Church for 41 years. And I know Seth has been here a long time as well. So it's hard going through transitions. It's hard because Seth had such a big impact in all of your guys' lives. I know that. In just the same way, my grandpa had a big impact in my life. And so last, two years ago actually in May, um, my grandpa was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and this is not his first time battling cancer. Back when I was in third, fourth grade, he had cancer, but he won the battle of cancer. And so he came over to our house uh, in May of 2014, and he come to tell us that he has cancer. And what I remember about him coming to tell us that he had cancer, he kept on talking about how great God was, kept talking about how God is a God who loves us and cares for his children. That had a big impact in my life. When he heard some of the worst news he could possibly hear, that he, was, uh, he found out that he had cancer, but yet he kept on talking about how great God was. And it's true, God is a good God, but it's hard to realize when you've just been diagnosed with cancer. And so we roll along, and summer goes along, and he's doing pretty well. He's still working, still pastoring, and he's, he's defeated the battle of cancer before, as I said. And so I'm actually feeling pretty confident. And then it comes time for me to head over to that Atlanta Bible College. And he was actually really the main reason why I decided uh, to go to the Bible College and pursue pastoral ministry, because he had such a profound impact in my life. And so we're going along, and everything seems to be going all right, seems to be going good. And then I remember uh, Monday, September 14, uh, rolls around, and uh, I'm at Kim Raper's house uh, with all the Bible college students, and we're there just having a good time. We're partying, because that's what we do at the Bible college. If you don't know, we party. We have a good time. Uh, so you kids, go to the Bible college. It's great. But uh, we were having a good time, and we were, uh, I remember sitting on the couch, and my dad shoots me a text. He's like, oh, what's this? And he says, call me. I was like, oh, brother. I'm having a good time. What could it be? It's like, okay, I'll go out, call my dad. And so I call my dad, 
and he tells me that Grandpa's not doing well. Um, Grandpa is going downhill rather quickly. Um, they're still battling the fight. They're still trying to find the cure, although it's not likely. It's still possible. And so I remember breakdown crying, um, knowing that my hero, my biggest role model, my leader, he was dying way up in Michigan while I was down in Georgia. There wasn't really anything I could do but to just suffer and mourn because my grandpa, my biggest leader, my biggest role model was dying. And so I broke down crying. And Tuesday rolls along, and I remember it being one of the longest days of my life. That Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, those were the three longest days of my life. Um, the hardest days of my life as well. I'm young, so I'm sure I'll have harder days coming, but those were the three hardest days of my life to this point. And so Tuesday, it's a long, hard day. And then Wednesday rolls along, and I wake up from a call from my father. I was like, oh, great, not again. So far, his calls have not been going well. And he calls me, and he says, Grandpa is going downhill quicker than we thought. And so I break down crying again. And they actually, on Monday, they arranged it that I could go home that weekend to see Grandpa uh, with my aunt and uncle from South Carolina. And so I was happy to be able to see them. But on Wednesday, my dad told me that we're not really sure how much Grandpa's going to live so they got me a plane to head up to Michigan that day. So I packed up all my stuff, and I headed to the airport. And I go to the airport, and I land in Michigan, and I meet my mom and dad there, and I'm happy to see them because I haven't seen them in a while. But when I was there, when I saw my parents, they told me that Grandpa was no longer in the hospital. He was in hospice care. So basically what that means is they were no longer trying to fight the battle of cancer, they're just trying to ease Grandpa through the pain. So no longer was there much of a chance for Grandpa to live, but they were almost kind of giving up. They are almost giving up and just easing him through the pain. And so immediately I broke down again crying, knowing that the days of my Grandpa, my biggest role model, are few. And so we head over to the hospice, and I remember uh, walking into the room, uh, the hospice room was shaped in an L, and so I open the door, and I walk in, and I see a bunch of my family. I'm a huge family man, and so it's a joy, it really is a joy to see them, and then I walk in. I remember turning the corner, and I remember seeing my grandpa. I can see it crystal clear right now. My grandpa hooked up to these machines. The room is dark, but the light's shining on him, breathing very hard, and I break down crying again, the hardest I've cried. I remember my grandma coming to comfort me and hug me. And so I go to sit down um, on the left side of my grandpa, holding his hand. And the other side is my Aunt Marcia. And at this point, grandpa is only awake for like 15 seconds at a time. Um, his, con his cognitive ability is really lacking because of the medication to ease him through the pain. And so he's asleep. And then he wakes up briefly. And he wakes up and he's facing my Aunt Marcia. And my Aunt Marcia says, Grandpa, someone is here to see you. And so he turns his head, and he's looking directly at me. Directly at me, my hero, my biggest role model, my biggest influence in my life. Nearly dead, but he's looking straight at me, and I freeze. I'm lost for words, and my family just says, say something. So the only words that could come to my mind was, hi, Grandpa, I love you. My grandpa looks at me. He says, hi, Kyle. I love you, too.
then he falls back asleep. Those words meant so much to me to hear my grandpa say that he loved me one more time. It brought so much peace to me. And later that day, or later the next day, he uh, passed away. And that was like the last meaningful conversation he was able to have with anyone was to tell me that he loved me. And so that meant so much to me. But now the reason why I tell you guys the story uh, this morning is not to get all emotional, um, to make you guys all feel sad, although it does. Um, It's because my grandpa, I feel, was a great man of God. Just as Seth here preaching pastor, I believe, for 21 years. Is that right, Mark? 20. 20 years, Seth. He was a pastor here for 20 years. He was a great man of God. I believe, too, my grandpa was a great man of God. And uh, could you pull up that picture? So at the hospice care, uh, they give each of their patients a goal for the day. And the goal for my grandpa on Wednesday, the day before he passed away, uh, the doctors asked him, Ray, what's your goal for the, for the day? And he said his goal for the day was to please God. That is awesome. That's awesome to me. When he's dying, when he doesn't have much time left, the nurses ask him what his goal for the day is. And he says, my goal for the day is to please God. That is awesome. That's a lesson that each and every one of us can learn from that. And that's what I want to be talking about this morning is to please God. That was my grandpa's goal in life was to, pre- was to please God. As I'm sure Seth, when he was preaching here for 20 years leading you guys, I'm sure his goal was to please God. But now God, God is an awesome being. He's a perfectly moral being. There's no fault to God. So is it even possible is it even possible for my grandpa to please God? Is it even possible for Seth when he was preaching here? Was it possible for him to please God? Is it possible for each and every one of us to please God? And that's what we're going to go ahead and take a look at. Um, and I believe in the Bible there are three people that stick out to me who I believe that seem to please God. The first was Moses, then David, and then third, um, last but certainly not least, was Jesus. So we're going to go ahead and take a look at Moses first. Moses, if you don't know, he was a man who led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Um, There's dispute in how long the Israelites uh, were enslaved in Egypt. Some think 200, some think 400 years. But regardless, the people that Moses freed from slavery, they were slaves their whole entire lives. They knew no different than to be slaves to these Egyptians. That is awful. When I think of that, I think of like, Imagine, you guys are going to have to imagine with me. I hope you guys got your creative thinking caps on right now. Imagine we have no prior knowledge to what food is, and the only food that we know of is baby food. You know that little baby food that comes in a gerber jar, that nasty stuff? Last year for our youth group, I had to eat some uh, baby food for a game, and it tasted nasty if you don't remember. It's nasty. So imagine all you guys have ever had to eat was baby food, and then all of a sudden, one day, someone brings you out in a gorgeous-looking plate a fine piece of steak. Who likes steak here? I love steak. You can't go wrong with steak. And so you cut into the steak, and you eat it, and oh my goodness, it is a life-changing experience, this steak. And they promise you that you can have any food you want. It doesn't have to be baby food. And they, uh, they meet you or greet you to all these different other kinds of food. And so it's a wonderful experience. It's a life-changing experience. And you would think you'd be so grateful for this. 
And you think the Israelites, they'd be grateful that Moses freed them from the slavery, but they were not. They were very grumpy. They were, uh, they kept on complaining to Moses and God. It's like, oh, life was better in Egypt when we were slayed rather than out in this wilderness. That's nonsense. Uh, those Egyptians should have been grateful, but they were not. So Moses, he had a lot to deal with, and he was a man of God. If we take a look this morning at Exodus chapter 33, just the second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 33, and we're just going to read one verse, uh, verse 17. And so in Exodus 33, uh, verse 17, and it's up on the screen as well, it reads, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do. For you, Moses, have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. So here, uh, Moses is praying to God, and God answers, and he says, Moses, you have found favor in my eyes. Wow, what a privilege and honor that would be for Yahweh, the God above, to tell you that you have found favor in my eyes. So here we see that Moses, he indeed pleased God. He has found favor in God's eyes. Next person, David. So David was the second king of uh, Israel. And uh, David, personally, is my favorite Bible hero. He was a great man. Um, and throughout the Bible, when talking about David, they describe David as being a man after God's own heart. Man, I would love that if in the end times when Jesus comes back to judge us and he says, Kyle, you, are, you have done well, my good and faithful servant. You are a man after God's own heart. That is such a privilege to be described as a man being after God's own heart. So yes, it is obvious that David, he pleased God as well. And finally, uh, Jesus, uh, our perfect Savior Christ, it would seem obvious that Jesus was pleasing to God. But I just want to show you guys two great passages about God being pleased with Jesus. So if you flip with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 13. We're going to read verses 13 through 17, not 13 through 18, Jennifer, wherever you are, or Jen. I, I miss, she's downstairs. I actually told her 13 through 18, and so she scrambled and she was nervous. There's no verse 18, it's just verse 17. <laughs> so, so we're going to go ahead and start with Matthew chapter 3 and start in verse uh, 13. And so this, uh, Matthew is about the gospel of Jesus. There's three synoptic gospels all about the life of Jesus. This is near the early ministry of Jesus. And starting in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This, this Jesus, is my beloved Son, with whom I, Yahweh, am well pleased. So what we have here, we have the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist, and as Jesus goes down, he gets dunked in the water, and he comes up, and immediately the heavens are opened up. And we see 
this voice from heaven, and that voice could only be God. God telling these people, this Jesus is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. What a sight that would have been to be able to hear that and see that, the baptism of Jesus, where God himself said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Then awfully, if you flip to me to Matthew chapter 17, Matthew chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 1. And this passage deals with the transfiguration, one of the more confusing passages of the Bible, but we're not going to delve too much into it. But so we're just going to go along and read, starting in verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took with them Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I'll make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this, this Jesus is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So again, in almost the same exact way, a voice from the heaven said, this Jesus this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. It's great that our Savior, our Christ, is pleasing to God. He was perfect. So there we have three examples, I believe, in the Bible, and there are many more, I believe, of people who please God, but these are just three that stuck out to me. And so is it possible for us to please God as well? Even though Jesus, he was perfect, and yeah, obviously he's going to please God. But something you may not know is Moses, uh, Moses, if he lived today in our society nowadays, do you know where Moses would be? Moses would be in prison for life. Moses killed a man. Moses killed an Egyptian. He was a murderer. He's our Bible hero, and if he lived in our society nowadays, he'd be put in prison for life because he killed a man. That's a pretty harsh deed that Moses did there. But God was pleased with Moses. He found favor. Moses found favor in the eyes of the Lord. David. David had an affair with a woman, Bathsheba. Not only did he have an affair with that woman, but he had that woman's husband killed. David, if he lived now today in our society nowadays, he'd be put in prison for life. Those are our Bible heroes. Those are the heroes we base our faith around. They'd be put in prison for life. But here we are, free. Hopefully none of us have done deeds quite that bad. And if we have, we, we can receive forgiveness. We receive forgiveness just as Moses and David did. Because they were sinners. We're all sinners. We all sin. But Moses and David, the thing about them, Moses found favor in the eyes of the Lord. David, he was a man after God's own heart. So yes, I'm confident that it is possible for you to please God. I'm confident. I'm confident that my grandpa in his dying moments, when, he, when his goal in life for that day was to please God, I'm confident that he pleased God. I'm confident that when Seth, when he was a preacher here for 20 years, I'm confident that he pleased God. And I'm confident that each and every one of us 
can please God as well. We each have that choice in our lives. So now the thing is, what about Moses and David and Jesus was pleasing to God? Now I want you guys to think of the people in your life that make you the most happy, the people you are most pleased with. For me, some of the people that I'm most happy with, some of the people I'm most pleased with, um, are my family. And when with my family, I make choices to spend time with my family. I'm down in Georgia, 12 or 13 hours away from home, but I make choices to be able to spend time with my family at home because I love them, because I'm pleased with them, because I care about them, I'm happy with them. We all make those same choices. The people with who we're pleased with, we, we take time to spend time with them. And how is God, God the creator of the heavens and earth, how is God supposed to be pleased with us sinners if we aren't willing to spend time with him? It's not possible, I don't think. If we aren't spending time with God, God is not going to be pleased with us. Because I will assure you that yes, we can please God, but yes, the majority of people in life are not very pleasing to God. They make bad choices. They don't make an effort to seek God in a relationship. But I want each one and every one of you guys to make the choice to seek God in a relationship. And how we do that, I believe, is through prayer. So we must spend time with God through prayer. And now Moses. Moses was a man of prayer with these Israelites, with, the, with these grumbling people who Moses saved from slavery. And they had many problems with Moses and God. How did Moses solve these problems? He continually prayed to God, God, please. We, we just saw in Exodus chapter 33 there was a problem and Moses was praying to God. Moses was a man of prayer. He sought a relationship with God and that is why God is pleased with Moses. David, there's no doubt that David is a man of prayer as well. And how I know that is because we have this wonderful book of Psalms. If you don't know, if you just flip A about in the middle, I missed it, rats. I missed it again. Psalm, all right, there we go. Right about in the middle of your Bible. Uh, it's one of the largest books of the Bible. But and there's 150 Psalms in it. And 73 of the 150 Psalms are Psalms of David. And basically what a psalm is, it's a prayer to God. It's either praising him or asking for mercy or an intercession for someone else. A psalm is simply a prayer to God. And here we have one of the biggest books of the Bible, and nearly half of it is David praying to God. So yes, there's no doubt in my mind that David was a man of prayer. And then Jesus, of course, Jesus was a man of prayer as well. There's a common theme of Jesus attracting a large crowd because he was a pretty neat guy, I imagine. I mean, there was lots of people following him around. He had some pretty cool stuff to show people. I mean, he was raising people from the dead. Who wouldn't want to follow Jesus? I would. And so Jesus always attracted these large crowds, and he was always teaching these people, doing good works, and which, was, which is great, which is great things to do. But Jesus, there's a common theme of Jesus attracting this large crowd, doing good deeds, but then after he was done, he, he fled from that crowd. He went off on a bow or he went up on the mountaintop and he prayed to God. Jesus escaped the people at times. He had to escape doing good deeds because he knew too, being a perfect being even, he needed to seek 
a relationship with God. That's why God was pleased with these three men. Because they saw a relationship with God. That's too how we can please God if we seek a relationship with him. If we aren't seeking a relationship with God, I imagine he's probably not going to be pretty pleased with us. But if we do seek a relationship with God, if we are praying, if we are seeking that relationship with God, I'm confident that God will be pleased with you. And I want each and every one of you guys to make that choice. And it's not just a one-time choice like, hey, I want to get baptized. I want to live my life for God. I said this prayer to God, and I want to live my life. No. It's a lot more complicated than that. It's not even complicated, but it's a lot more work than that. It's a daily decision to seek a relationship with God. We need to seek God in prayer daily. That's what Moses, David, and Jesus did. They sought God daily through prayer. And that's what we need to do as well to please God. I'm sure my grandpa's goal to please God. I'm sure that he was praying to God. He had a, what amazed me about my grandpa is I saw once, he had a list of, it was over 500 people that he prayed for every day. And I heard, I remember growing up um, him saying, you know, I, uh, I pray for you often, Kyle, but sometimes I fall asleep before I get to you. And I never really knew what that was all about. But then we were going through his office and it all clicked in my head. There was a list of over 500 people he prayed for, which is amazing. And Seth, I'm sure when he was preaching, when he was pastoring, the leader of you guys, I'm sure he prayed daily for you guys, daily for this church. This is a wonderful church that Seth has. That's your church. That's God's church. I'm sure Seth was in prayer and I'm sure God was pleased with Seth. And we too can make the same choice in praying daily to God. Now when we spend time with those uh, we desire to spend time with, uh, we have to make sacrifices. For me, I love my family. I love spending time with them. There's a sacrifice I had to make though. I had to drive 12 hours, 13 hours to spend time with them. And while spending time with them, I couldn't spend time with anyone else. Um, it costs a little bit of money because of gas. My parents are generous people and they help me with that as a poor college student. But so there, there's these costs and these sacrifices that we make to spend time with those we desire to be with. And the same is true with our relationship with God. There's sacrifice that has been put forth so that we can seek a relationship with God. Not only a sacrifice, but it was the ultimate sacrifice. If you look to me in the book of 1 Peter near the end of the Bible. It's right before Second Peter, if you didn't know. First Peter chapter 3, and we're just going to read one verse, uh, verse 18. It's up there on the slide as well. I like getting my handy Bible out, though, so I'll give time for those page flippers turning to the Scripture. And so in First Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it reads, and I'm reading the ESV. Um, is that the ESV up there as well? NIV. All right. Um, so it reads, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. That's the only part we're going to read. 
So here it says, Christ suffered once for sins. I know translations such as NASB, instead of the word suffered, they use the word died. But I like the word suffered here. Because Christ, he suffered once for sins. And what they're talking about is when Christ suffered on that cross. And let me tell you, Christ didn't just measly die on that cross. Christ suffered. Christ suffered for six hours. Six hours. He was hanging on that cross with nails through his hands and through his feet. Six hours he was suffering. He didn't just die. He suffered on that cross. Getting whipped, people throwing stuff at him, mocking him. The pain, unreal, just Standing up on your feet, he had to to just get a breath of air and all the pressure on his feet. The pain, unimaginable. The worst death that I could think of. For six hours, Christ suffered. And we read here in this verse, why did Christ suffer? So that he might bring us to God. That sacrifice was made so that we can be brought to God. What an amazing sacrifice has been put forward so that we can seek a relationship with God, so that we can be brought to God. Don't take that sacrifice for granted. We talk about the sacrifice of Jesus. Yes, Jesus suffered immensely, but someone who probably even suffered more was God. How many parents do we have out there? A lot of parents. I'm not a parent, so I wouldn't know. But I hear that parents would rather suffer than having their kids suffer. Because the parents, they love their children. They love their children with a deep love. But our love, our love is imperfect. You know who has a perfect love though? Yahweh, our God. You know what God did? He watched his son suffer for six hours. The perfect love from Yahweh to Jesus. And he had to watch his son suffer for six hours. Many of us complain about having a long day at work, eight hours. Just two hours short of that, Jesus was hanging on that cross. And God saw all of it. As Jesus was, saying, was hanging on that cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The pain, the physical pain of Jesus and the emotional pain but even more, the emotional pain that God, our Father, must have gone through. They made an immense sacrifice that day. And again, in this verse, we read, why? Why did God and Jesus make this decision to suffer so much? Why did they make this great sacrifice? It was so that he might be brought to God to bring you to God. That's why that was there, there was a sacrifice and the suffering so that we can be brought to God, so that we can seek a relationship with God. I don't know if you guys know this, but we're all sinners. I don't know if you guys know this either, but God is not a sinner. God is perfect. It's not natural for us imperfect beings to be able to communicate with the perfect being, with the perfect creator of the heavens and the earth. That's not natural. That's not really supposed to happen. 
but it's possible because a sacrifice has been put forth so that we can have a relationship with God. And I don't want you guys to take that sacrifice for granted. Because in some people's lives, that sacrifice is meaningless. That sacrifice is meaningless in the lives of people who turn away from God, who don't actively seek a relationship with God. So that suffering that God and Jesus went through, make it count for something. Make it count. Seek a relationship with God. That's what they want. They made that sacrifice. They made that choice. They didn't have to let that happen, but they made that choice. They made it so that God could have a relationship with each and every one of us. God is pleased with us when we make a decision to seek him. And we know that because he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross. Now, I'm sure many parents would not send their children to die on the cross, but God made that choice because he wants us to please him. He wants us to seek a relationship with him. And it is possible. It is possible, friends. God would have made that choice to sacrifice his son if it wasn't possible to please him. He made that choice to sacrifice his son because it is possible. It is possible for us to please him. Make that choice. Now, if you are struggling with sin, we all struggle with sin, but if you are ashamed to talk to God because that is an overwhelming task to talk to the creator of the heaven and the earth. Just look around, look at each other, the beautiful creation of us, his masterpiece. It should be intimidating to talk to God, but don't be ashamed to talk to God because of sin in your life. Moses and David, Moses murdered a man, but he sought God in relationship. He was a man of prayer. David had an affair with the woman and had that woman's husband killed. But he made a choice to seek God. He was, yes, he was ashamed, I'm sure, but he got over that. He asked for forgiveness if you're struggling with sin, I encourage you, we're not going to look at it. We don't have enough time. But Psalms 51, Psalms 51, it's one of the Psalms of David. It's a wonderful Psalm. It's a Psalm of David right, right after he sinned, right after he had that affair with Bathsheba. He said, have mercy on me, God. Cleanse my heart. Have mercy. Don't be ashamed to talk to God. Don't be ashamed. It's possible. We can be pleasing to God. We just have to make that choice. Now, why should we please God? Why should you listen to what I'm saying? I'm not some just crazy, well, I may be crazy, but I don't just have some crazy message that's not worth following. I tell you guys this because there's a great reward for those who please God. And I'm sure we all are aware of that. And my favorite verse, perhaps, my favorite passage in, found in Revelation 21, if you go ahead and flip there. And we're going to read uh, verses three, 3 and 4. There are many verses found throughout the Bible talking about the kingdom of God. But this, perhaps, is my favorite passage about it and maybe perhaps my favorite passage in the whole Bible. This also 
is a verse that helped me cope with the pain in losing my biggest role model. Because I can assure you, there were lots of tears and pain through the death of my grandpa. And I know we all go through suffering like that. We all lose loved ones that we wish were still here. So if we go ahead and start in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. It reads, and this is John having a vision. He said, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is describing the coming kingdom, the kingdom of God. God himself will dwell with us in the coming kingdom. Can I get an amen? That is awesome news. We aren't going to have to just pray to God who's God up in heaven and dwelling around, but God himself is going to dwell with us. That is awesome news. That is happy news. And comforting news. In verse 4, comforting news that can comfort you through any dramatic losses in your lives. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. When my grandpa died, I cried and cried. My biggest role model, my biggest leader. There were lots of tears from everyone as my grandpa passed away. Death shall be no more. We all have people in our lives, loved ones that have passed away, unfortunately. That's just a cycle of life here on this earth. But in this coming kingdom, if we please God, if we make the active choice to please God each and every day, death will be no more. Can I get another amen? Amen. Neither shall there be mourning. There won't be any more times where we were sad and weeping. There will be times of comfort. There will be no more crying nor pain. For the former things the things of this earth, the cycle of life where people are born and live their lives and then die at the end, that has passed away. In this coming kingdom, if we make the active choice to follow God through prayer, the former things have passed away and God is setting a new establishment, a coming kingdom. Can I get an amen? That is great news. And that is news that can comfort you through any trials or problems that you are going through. So just make the active choice, friends. Make the active choice, brothers and sisters, to please God each and every day. It is possible. It is possible to please the creator of the heavens and the earth. You just have to make that choice.